Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met, fellow adventurers. It's time to find out how we're going to get luck. Deeper and deeper into Wagner's Mad. We've, we've got we got the clue from Orgo, that goblin. And we fought our way out of that, that temple. Which... We, we, possibly it was a trap. Possibly it was just a mistake. Possibly it was a trap by someone else. But anyway, we can do this next adventure called The Emblazoned Key, Part 1. The curse of Black Tor. They came upon you in the tangled dale south of High Meadow, tearing through the bracken, the unmistakable, nauseating stench of their what filling the forest. Before you could even consider evasion, you're surrounded by a vast, ghoulish legion of undead. Okay, looks like that curse is not just a one dungeon thing. Which is a pity. Embark. You you greeted the last several dawns from the relative comfort of your small womb on the upper floor of the Wed Wen. Sleep has not come easy. Your growing weariness, ever coupled with a gnawing sense of looming dread, serves to make you irritable and suspicious. It was less than a week ago that you returned to High Meadow, having escaped from the wounds of Black Tor, with the information you managed to obtain from the dying goblin assassin Urgo. With the long with the location of the long hidden tunnel seared into your memory, you endeavoured to set out at once to tackle the next phase of your perilous mission. You could have you could literally guess just how perilous your mission was about to become. They came upon you in the tangled dale south of High Meadow, tearing through the bracken under the dazzling brilliance of the midday sun, the unmistakable, nauseating stench of their what filling the forest. Before you could even attempt to flee, 
you are surrounded by a vast, ghoulish legion of undead. It was the emblazoned silhouette that adorned the shields of a half-dozen skeletal swordsmen that set your pulse racing. The black shape on the rusted, battered shields was unmistakable. It was the silhouette of a robed, headless woman, a sinister symbol you immediately associated with the towering statue you discovered deep in the shattered remains of Blackthorn. So, was this curse... Was this curse somehow spread to other remains of that faith? Has the undead naught horde and bring perhaps 50 closed in on all sides? You couldn't strike from your mind the haunting notion that you had yet to rid yourself of the ruined temple's ancient curse. A curse revealed to you by Ugro as he lay dying. The battle in the dale proved a brutal contest, which you barely escaped with your life, bloodied and near to collapse. But having left two dozen of Black Tors undead, returned to the grave by your hand. Hmm. Odd, I'm not having to manually do that. Hmm, I guess the XP for that will be put at the end somewhere. You at last manage to bolt through a break in the enemy's lines and take flight back to Meadow. In the days immediately following your first conf- confrontation with the undead horde, you twice more attempted to make a trek to the location revealed to you by Ogro. Each time, a little more than a mile outside High Meadow, you were again ambushed by the undead. Now, i got to kind of respect that they're not going into the village. I think they, they probably programmed that curse. It's me. I am the target of the curse. Honestly, I could half expect them just to plough through into the village and kill everyone in sight. But no, it's focusing on me. I I respect that subtlety in in your curse. Your cursing, making sure your curse is, you know, focused. Focus your curses. Wary after the first encounter, you managed to flee both engagements before the ghoulish legion could ensnare you. Realised the undead seemed to take no interest in pursuing out of the dales that surround the location of the hidden tunnels, you mortally returned to High Meadow and decided to adopt a new strategy. It was then that you were approached by, Red, by the Red Went innkeeper and told that a young woman had entered the inn looking for you. She told the innkeeper she'd return in two days. And she insisted that he relate to you the urgency of her desire for a wonder view. Intrigued by his account and certain that the impending meeting would prove to be related to your ongoing mission, he made it known he would be needing your room at the inn for the remainder of the week. Despite your keen interest in reaching the hidden tunnels, you well, you were content to wait and see what light, if any, the mysterious young woman were able to shed upon things. Two days, two days later, your wait came to end. Okay, 
young woman. So it's not Cora Tao, because she's middle-aged. Could it be Emlet Hyler from the Twisted Gate? That would be her, says the innkeeper, staring out through one of the lopsided, half-rotten windows set into the front of the Whamshackle Inn. She's alone, if such a thing matters to you. Seated at a table in the corner of the Red Wen's common room, you turn to face the door just as the wickety slab creaks open. A young woman, attired in a mix of rugged leather and grey cloth, her golden hair tied back into a single lengthy braid, steps over the crooked threshold and shoots a glance at the departing innkeeper. A brown cape splashes over her narrow shoulders. You immediately recognise her to be the woman you know as Emlet Haler. As she turns and acknowledges you with a broad smile, your mind momentarily wanders back to your last meeting with her at the Twisted Gate Alehouse in Milksbrill. As Emmett Hale approaches, you begin to wise, preparing to initiate a shoulder cross. Before you're halfway to your feet, she slips into a chair opposite you. As she does, she peers back warily at the door. The, pa- the pathetic barrier stands closed. She turns back to you, renewing her smile. When last we parted, I said we might never meet again, she says. As you can see, I've been never never been any good at getting these, those sort of things right. Here, before I say anything else, take this. I think you'll appreciate its utility. With that, she reaches across the table and places a stone amulet in front of you. You pick up the amulet and carefully examine it. The hexagonal piece of stone dangling from a thin leather strap bears a single engraving on the smooth of its faces your pulse quickens as you suddenly realise the image carved into the amulet is the silhouette of a headless woman you aren't going to be able to escape the curse forever says Emily Taylor her tone suggesting she doesn't expect you to be surprised she knows of the dilemma you've acquired during your excursion into Black Tor. You can be thankful it's Black Tor's the curse that uh, has fallen upon you, Zoop. There are other, far worse curses with which you might have found yourself afflicted. Where the amulet and Black Tor's vengeful dead won't seem quite so fearsome next time you cross paths with them. Okay, here's Black Tor's amulet. It's got a melee weighting of one, and it gives two spirit, but that doesn't really matter. This hexagonal stone amulet bears an engraving on the smooth of its two faces, depicts a headless woman. The amulet was given to you by Emily Taylor. She told you it would help protect you against the vengeful undead of Black Tor, the sinister product of the Turk curse you literally unleashed when you explored the ruined temple. Gripping the amulet in your white hand, you ask Emlet Hara several questions, including how it is she knew of your trek into the Wind Temple, <coughs> and how much she knows about your continued descent into the labyrinth. You also ask her how, how she knew to find you in High Meadow, and what she knows of Black Tor and its sinister curse. I didn't discover all of it on my own, she says. I 
we, that is, hope to play a lesser role in all of this. Direct intervention was never our intention. When, I, when we learned you had gone into Black Tor, the sorcerer, a hand was forced. You see, Zoop, there were very few of us left who still follow the paths laid out long ago. Who still adhere to what has become a forgotten faith. But we are here. We are not plentiful and are by no means powerful, but we are still here. A minute holds up her left hand with her palm turns towards you. There, barely discernible in the centre of her hand, is the faint tattooed silhouette of a headless woman. Surrounding the thin ink marking is the outline of a tackerback. I must first beg your forgiveness, Soup. Some of what I said at our last meeting was not the truth, and there was a great deal more I chose not to say. You must understand we needed to be certain of your intentions. Your motives, your allegiances. It was too much as we've been already risked to allow us to carefully reveal what we've so long endeavoured to keep hidden. Therefore, I seek your pardon. And if you would allow me, I would now like to reveal to you what you now must know. You listen with growing interest as Emmett Harler reveals some of what she has, until now, kept hidden. You learn that she and a small group she calls the surviving faithful serve as the guardians of a faith long thought to have been swallowed up by the fog of history my entire line has walked the path upon which i still faithfully tread my father his father before him and his father fur and his father's father as far back as i'm able to tell my brother trim back was once among our fellowship, though, as you know, he is, well, of no particular importance for the moment. Emily Taylor tells you that the fellowship, which no longer goes by any name, and no longer has an official leader, is spread far and wide across the, across the North Broadlands. Though its numbers have dwindled perilously over the last two centuries, you learn that it is the sworn duty of the Fellowship to guard an ancient secret. A secret once protected in fortress temples of the vanquished faith. Temples like Black Tor. Before the undoing of our elders, she says, before our enemies had the strength to wend the gates of our sanctuaries, before the defilers and the unbelief leavers have the will to stand against Our Lady, who had granted her gift of discovery. It was a whiffed gift we were wholly unprepared to receive. Perhaps it was a test, or perhaps a disguised admonishment, but it would prove our folly. Using the gift, our wisest elders discovered and unlocked an ancient magic, and by doing so, unwittedly garnered the cruel attention of an insidious timeless terror oh dear you learn that the elders of the fellowship the faithful of a nameless deity known only as the headless lady discovered and unlocked an ancient and powerful form of neville energy that allowed its wielders to open a magical gate a gate able to serve as a portal between the world of Swift and the very core of the Neverness. 
almost immediately following its discovery, it was somebody decided that planar magic, as it came to be known by the gate elders, was far too dangerous an undertaking. All evidence of the potent magic was destroyed. And the gate that had been opened, a howling vortex that breached time and space to peer into the heart the Nevenus was closed. But great harm had already been done. The roving eyes of a great beast, a creature whose only true form is the churning, unyielding essence of malevolence and chaos, had taken notice. Before the elders could close the gate that had been opened, Something terrible took notice of it, says Emnet Harla, quickly glancing towards the door. We all know this scourge by a more familiar moniker. Wound skin. The entity is nothing more than the tattered remnants of a soul drawn from the very tides of chaos and ruin. The beast suffers no master. And as you well know, it's penchant for cruelty and delight it takes in misery wrought out of his designs. It seems to know no bounds. Emletalia turns and glances at the door. After a moment, she looks back at you and continues. The elders thought the gate had been closed and that the danger had passed, she says. But the gate was still open. We had closed our side of the portal. Something had kept the other side open. Something had turned its gaze towards us. Settled by the revelations, you ask Emithar if the if the being known to you as Woundskin is at the heart of is at the heart of the affair involving Wagner's labyrinth. She nods and then continues. It was Wagner, she says, entrusting her voice as she utters his name, whom Yoda's entrusted with the task of ridding the world of planar magic. The great sorcerer saw the danger this magic posed. It frightens him, so it has been said, but despite his best efforts and the full might of his legendary power, he could do nothing to rid this world of that which threatened to become its bane. Ever resourceful. Some have said mad. Wagner endeavoured to hide the secret of planar magic, the gate that was born out of its discovery, in a place where no one, mortal or otherwise, would have any hope of finding. Yuzup are now closer to discovering this long kept secret than anyone has ever been. Emeritus tells you. It was wound skin that drove Wagner to create his infamous labyrinth, a place which, for centuries, remained little more than a whisper in the great annual's history. There, she says, on the deepest level of the magically constructed maze, Wagner, having abandoned everything else, used his sorceress might to hide and seal off the gate which the elders had, in their greatest moment of folly, opened. The legends say they may well be right that Wagner, seeking to acquire the power that would allow him to battle or even slay Woundskin, 
entered the very gate around which he had built his deadly maze, he says. It is conceivable the Wackner acquired some unknown power, or perhaps mastered the very magic he had endeavoured to hide, and in doing so became capable of thwarting the beast's advances into our world. Well, Wundskin's still alive, so... No, so he, he's not dealt with him entirely. I think uh, I, I will have to, if, if blow, if things are prepared, if fighting has happened, then the final blow will have to be delivered by me. Imelithara pauses and glances over at her door. She quickly turns back to you. But before she can speak, you ask her, recalling the Tapagakal outline, tattooed on the palm of her hand, if Awaknar was an adherent to the forgotten faith to which she has frequently alluded. He was one of our elders, she says. I've no doubt that you found his labyrinth white with the symbols of our faith, the symbols that depict the path to be followed by those who have not forgotten her, Our Lady, and her living promise. The eye, the skull, the moon, the tackerback, they each possess their own meaning, and in some combination, reveal some of our guiding tenets. That is of little concern to you. It's a little concern to anyone, really. Amitala tells you that much of what has been written about Wagner including the many familiar legends surrounding his tower in Fogbar, the curse he supposedly laid upon the forest, and the reasons behind the construction of his fabled labyrinth, are wildly departed from the truth. We have never sought to challenge the accounts found in old histories and legends, she says. Their inaccuracies and blatant falsehoods Helped us maintain our secrets. Speaking, suddenly her tone changes and she again lowers her voice, speaking in a harsh whisper. She pointedly asks you if, if you possess the dagger of vanquishing, the wound mark stoned and the iron marked wings. It relieves me to know you still do, she says. They were difficult to obtain. And far trickier still delivered to you. For our movements have been closely watched for Var. Two of our faithful, perhaps the closest we have ever known we have known to elders these final days of Our Lady, have seen to it you have provided with what you will need before the end of all this. Emidhan describes for you the first of our brethren to which which she just alluded, and immediately recalled the young green coat woman you met in and around Mount Hawklaw, woman who delivered to you the dagger of vanquishing. The other is no longer in a fold, and his motives remain unclear to us, he said. Should, however, bring to, bring to you the wing, and for that we are grateful. Beyond that, I cannot say how his role in all this would end. Yes, Soup, you know him as Glenoras. Oh, man, it's all tying together into some great big tangle of a plot. 
Oh my. Emmett Haler's ambition takes you by surprise. Dora suspected she was about to reveal the sorcerer's name. You realise that her intent, her revelations, if they were all to believed, go a long way to shedding much leaded white light on what has become an increasingly murky and dangerous affair. However, despite all of all that has just been made plain, you remain uncertain about the part Coratel has played to this point and the part she will take going forward. You ask Amelit Hallow about the sorceress, and she quickly denies there is any direct connection of which she is aware. Amelit Hallow suggests that perhaps Coratel learned something of Galoris' hidden designs while in Asper. She says that it is likely the sorceress is working on her own to thwart the mage's ambitions. So to what end, she does not know. Okay, I mean, if she's not part of that of that forgotten faith, it, it it honestly makes sense she wouldn't know much about the curse, but she would know about the statue, because this it, I mean, this seems that this this forgotten faith isn't is perfectly happy to let incomplete and false information get into the public domain. Realising you may have the, have information of importance to relate to her, begin to relate to Ermletar a brief account of your recent excursions into the maze, including your encounters with Wagner's image in the dark and lonely lower passages. She abruptly holds up her hands, signalling for you to abandon your narrative. We have seen much through your eyes in that place, she says, again startling you with a blunt admission. Our lady still sees, see, still sees fit to grant us the power of sight beyond all sight. Wait. Beyond all sight? This type, that, it ties in, it ties into the Ties into the sword of Mezek. Which is precisely. Because we have seen what you have seen. We know that time is nearly run out. There can be no further delay. We cannot for the moment. Worry about either the sorceress. Or Glenoris she says. Once again black. Glancing back towards the door. There isn't time. You must find your way into the lower reaches of the labyrinth soup. But first. There lies immediately ahead of you. A rather daunting task. Emlet, Emlet Haler tells you you must immediately find your way to the location you've been attempting to reach. The hidden tunnels south of High Meadow. Where she, where she admits she does not know what you will find there. She believes as you do. That the lair reveals you. By the goblin assassin. Ogro is somehow connected to unlocking the labyrinth's deepest levels. It is possible you've already been beaten to those tunnels, he says, raising the fear that has lingered in the back of your mind ever since your departure from Blacktor. Hardly batters. We cannot concern ourselves with such scenarios. You must go and discover. What must be done to secure passage into the lowest level reaches of the mad? I will again meet you here, 
upon your return. With any luck, I'll find out more about the curse that you've... The door at the front of the inn groans as it's slowly opened. Three broad-shouldered figures step into the wed wen. The leather-clad men, their gaunt, cheerless faces, largely coated in shadows, cast by their wide-brimmed leather, weather-stained hats, promptly turn, turn in that direction. Put the amulet on. Follow me out of here, hiss Emletar. With that, Emletar arises and moves over to the door set into the back wall of the com room. She pulls it open and slips out into an overgrown garden behind the inn. The door has barely closed behind her when the heavy footfalls of the three men reach your ears. You turn and watch as the sinister trio makes its steady, purposeful advance. Okay. Well, she said put on the amulet. So let's put on this amulet. So I can confront these three men or follow Emlet Hala out of the back door. Right, I'm going to confront the three men. You rise and confront the three men. Before you know what's happening, a powerful wave of fear washes over you. Your sense of fear abruptly subsides, and in its wake, you suddenly decide it would be best to follow him out. Emlet Hala's leave and lead and leave the inn. With the three men following your heels, you turn and wash out through the back door. As you burst into the overgrown garden behind the inn, you nearly run into Aimlet Hala. She retreats further into the tangled courtyard and draws out a curved wooden wad. She levels the device at the door just as the three men emerge from the inn. They're here for you, she snaps, moving to stand between you and the advancing trio. Get out of here! Get to where you have to go and keep that amulet on. Go. I'll keep them here. Don't worry about me. Go. Before you can even react, your gaze locks onto the three sinister figures moving across the garden towards you. A sudden and horrifying transformation comes across over the three men. You watch in growing horror as the flesh melts off the faces of the three men, leaving behind you only rotting chunks that cling to the cracked, decayed bones. The overpowering stench of death fills the small courtyard. Unfazed by their transformation, Emlet Hara steps forward, brandishing her curved wand. Go! she commands, flashing you an angry look. Get out of here! We'll all come to... We'll all come to ruin. Go. You know what? Since these undead are specifically seeking me, I think if I go, then they probably won't be a threat to her. So heed her command and leave at once. Prompted by the dire urgency in her voice, you immediately heed Emmett Haler's last command and turn and wash out of the garden. Through it pains her to leave, it, to leave her, something tells you. The young woman is no stranger to peril. As you pass out of High Meadow, heading south, a loud war, like the war of distant thunder, rises in, rises into the air from the direction of the inn. Your thoughts turn to Amitala and the curved wand she was wielding. Again, something tells you the young woman, a mysterious but trusted ally in this entire affair, is no stranger to peril. You follow a winding road 
that snakes its way through a large area of farmland just south of High Meadow. You abandon the road as it turns to the left and cut across the open countryside, moving through a region of bare hills and stunted patches of forest. The location you are seeking, as described to you by Ogro, will be difficult to miss. The goblin and assassin described four massive boulders, leaning together to form a tower of stone, somewhere in the dale south of High Meadow. According to what Orgo told you, the vet at the top of the stone formation, you'll find the entrance to the long hidden tunnels. The task seems simple enough at its outset, but the first two attempts have already ended in failure. Well, third time's the charm. You estimate that on both occasions you were little more than a mile from the location when you were set upon by a fearsome, seemingly endless horde of the undead. Now, armed with the amulet given to you by Emitara, you find yourself in possession of a renewed sense of hope. You're determined to find and explore the hidden tunnels, eager to discover whatever secrets they may guard. You're less than a mile outside the village, heading south through a series of meadows divided by thin bands of forest, when you're suddenly startled by a cry for help from somewhere to the east. The cry repeats itself several times. You cannot clearly make out what is being said. The near nearby scream appears to be that of a man pleading for help. With the, with the echoes of the frantic cries winging in your ears, your pulse begins to waste. All right, but I am suspicious. It wouldn't be the first time cries for help have actually been undead trying to kill me. Use divination. You sense great evil in the direction of the cries. Yes, but is there what is dust evil? I mean, if if someone's trying to kill someone, yeah, there would be great evil. I get, guess I have to investigate the cries. You move eastward, following the sound of the cries. After covering less than two hundred yards, you happen upon a disturbing scene. A man, a woman, and three grown children cower before a pair of ghouls. The hideous undead creatures advance upon the helpless family as the father, wielding only a stout wooden cudgel, desperately cries out for help. As you approach, the two ghouls turn and squeak at you. Your eyes are immediately drawn to the tabards that hang in tatters over their emancipated frame. Each of the filth-covered wags bear the insignia of Black Tor. So I could use divination here. Do that first. Succeeded. You sense a powerful awe of evil surrounding everyone present, including the five humans. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. I think this is all a trick, but I'll remain where I am. As you rush forward, determined to place yourself between the cowering humans and the vile undead assailants, a ghoulish transformation comes over the five people. The five humans turn towards you and stretch open their mouths as their hands and faces rapidly melt away, leaving behind only tattered strips of flesh clinging to decayed bones. They too are the undead of Blackthor. I can't really say I'm surprised. Moving with unnerving speed, the tall ghouls rush forward and attack, waking at you with their jagged, blackened claws. 
Now these are undead, so I'm going to equip Tiara's staff. Ghoul Seeker. It claws at you. Alright, it's only a 7 plus, I think. Black Taurus Amulet is helping out. 25 XP. Before you even have time to reposition yourself, the second ghoul is upon you, tearing your exposed flesh with its blackened, stone-hard claws. Ghoul Seeker, two of two. It claws at me. Keeps clawing. Alright, and it is slain. 25 XP. The five skeletons close in. Stepping over the gruesome remains of the slain ghouls as they quickly surround you. I was trying to help you, but you tricked me. The hissing skeleton hacks at you with its rusted blade. Your undead foe stuns you with a staggering blow. Your body and spirit help you to avoid being stunned, but I still take 8 damage. Hacks at you. Hackity hack, hack, hack. Such a such a hack that you think they work for the Daily Mail or something. You have slain your foe. 25 XP. Your selection collapses into a... The skeleton collapses into a heap of shattered bone at your feet. Is the next skeleton is decaying blade cutting a wide arc across its, across its path. Staggers forward and attacks. Skeletal Hunter. Hacks at you with its rusted blade. Okay, and is slain. Uh, uh, and here's number three. Yeah. Hacks at you. Oh, it tried to drain my life force, but I clicked through before I could read it. I've got to be more careful. I'm missing the specials. 25 XP. Here's number four. Hacks at you with its rusted blade. I'm going to battle rage. You tricked me! I don't like that! You've slain your foe. Collapse into a heap of shattered bone at your feet. Here's the fifth and final skeletal hunter. Hacks at you with its rusted blade. The undead foe stuns you with a staggering blow. You've been stunned and you're unable to act on the next round of combat. Take 10 damage. I can't do anything this round. Attacks you with a rusted blade. And is slain. 25 XP. Alright. Healing my way up again. 128 experience to general. With the last of the skeletons heaped at your feet. You step back and pause to catch your breath. To check over your equipment. And making certain no more undead are lurking nearby. You promptly set off on your way. Heading steadily south, you move into a rugged, wild country, riddled with thick swaths of forest, broad boulder-strewn meadows, and deep, tangled dales. Following the basic path revealed to you by Orogro, you eventually arrive at the edge of a wide, densely forested ravine. According to what the Goblin Assassin has told you, the location of the hidden tunnels is almost due south up here. Three times you've attempted the direct route to the south, moving into the ravine, only to have the horde of undead come upon you in 
in among the dales. The painful reminders of both of these horrific encounters make you think the most direct route might not prove the safest. Realise by taking a slightly longer trek, heading first to the east, then cutting south and west across the middle of the region, you can make certain you avoid certain you avoid the area in which you've been attacked three times. You carefully consider the two options. So the more direct route to the south, where I've already encountered hordes of undead twice, will take the longer route to the east and then south. Okay. I'll go that way. Very attempting yet another trek through the ravine, you decide to try and take a different route to the location described to you by Ugro. Heading first to the east and then cutting southwest along the edge of the dales, instead of passing straight through them, will undoubtedly make for a longer journey. But you believe it is a path less likely to be watched or guarded by any would-be enemies. After travelling east for nearly an hour, you turn and begin moving southwest across a gently sloping landscape of fields and rolling hills interspersed with many small but impassable evergreen thickets. You haven't gone far on the second leg of your trek when, the edge of a deep, thickly wooded gully, you make a startling discovery. Seven Oatwork, lying on the ground, the heads touching to form a near-perfect semicircle, is perhaps the last thing you expected to find in this remote corner of the hard hills. The wooden iron beings appear to be newly built. Unlike the countless other Otorok you've encountered, none of these bear even a single mar. Despite their pristine condition, the Otorok are obviously lifeless. Puzzled by the strange find, but realising you can't afford to tarry here, you make a quick examination of the Otorok, before once again setting off. You continue south into the heart of the Dales, and soon come to the very place where the second and last of your grim encounters with Black Tor's undead took place. The remains of several ghouls and the scattered bones of the skeletons you were able to defeat still lie still lie scattered across a wide swath of the ground at the edge of the forest. As you carefully make your way make your way to towards the looming forest you suddenly spot a large winged figure perched on the trunk of a fallen tree. The hideous ghoul like creature a pair of thick black wings protruding from its leathery decaying torso gnaws on a long white bone. The winged ghoul has turned its back to you. So, attempt to slip past on scene or attack the winged ghoul. I guess I guess it's for the best that I deal with them before they can concentrate into hordes. So attack the winged ghoul. Moving swiftly and stealthily, you draw up behind the winged ghoul, attempting to strike the hideous creature before it takes notice of you. Picking a number. Bonus of 50. 20 for woodmanship. 20 from agility. 10 from luck. 
got to get 100 or more. Or I guess I'll be noticed, which will make it a bit harder. Pick now. 74 failure. Without warning, the winged ghoul whips its head around and fixes you with its cruel, haunting stare. The revolting undead menace draws back its lips and snarls, revealing a jagged line of yellow fangs. The ghoul snarls and spreads its thick, leathery wings. A powerful leap thrusts the undead creature high into the air. It drops into a glide and soars down upon you, unleashing a deafening shriek that seems to assail your thoughts. You suddenly realise the ghoul is somehow attacking your mind. Alright, picking a number. Bonus of 50. 20 from mind, 20 from spirit, 10 from aura. And that's, a, that's as good as it's going to get. Well, at least until some some mechanism to wait to raise the raise those stats above twenty is discovered. Got to get seventy five or more, or be distracted. I guess. Pick now. Failure. A strange feeling washes over you, as if your energy is being drained away. 24! Neville Reserve has been drained away. Blimey, that's bad. The wingle is decayed lips hanging in tatters over a set of, ye- of young yellowed fangs. Sweeps savagely as it closes in for the kill. The winged avenging ghoul. Look, I didn't do anything to you, ghoul. There's no need for avenging here. All I did was look at a statue. Yeah. The winged ghoul cowls loudly as it assails you with tooth and claw. The undead foe stuns you with a staggering blow. But my body and spirit hope to avoid being stunned. So, But it still does five damage. A deathly chill passes through your... Passes through you as your undead foe drains your life force for eight damage. Okay, that's a special... That I forgot to weed for quite a few times. It howls wildly as it assails you with tooth and claw. Don't know if the, maybe the, the wings don't seem to be doing anything. Sort of convenient that this winged ghoul forgot it could fly. Because, I mean, if we remembered it could fly, all I have to do is pick up some heavy rocks and just drop them on my head and... I really wouldn't be able to do anything. Well, other than magic. Uh, or, you know, get some stakes. Handy, just drop them from above. Eep, 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 eep. Or a net, just drop a net on me, maybe. You know, just take a net, put, put some weighted things on the corners of it. Just drop it down, catch me. And then you could just stake me from above at leisure. Lots of things you could do when you could fly, but I think it's a, I think the overwhelming majority of games they don't. We if something can fly, it do, they don't really take advantage of that. It's they usually they usually hype. They usually hover around about head height. So you can still attack them. And if they hover higher than that. It's usually so you just 
you can still reach them by stretching with your sword. None of them, you know, fly so high up you can't actually reach them. Because, well, that'd just be really annoying, wouldn't it? If you're playing a game and you had, you had, you had a dozen foes in the room you just couldn't reach because they were twenty foot high, and you and you went and you only have a melee build or something, you can't reach them at all. Ugh. Yeah, that's, that's that, I think that's just something you just got to accept. Because I mean, otherwise you're gonna have to plot in some sort of three D movement, and that'd just be a pig. And of course, it would make range combat pretty much mandatory. And range combat usually isn't as much as fun because <laughs> you don't get to see the organs spill out. All right, all right, down it goes. It's nearly down. Life force drained away by the chill again. Seven XP. Deadly chill drains my life force for 10 damage, and it is slain. 137 XP, 128 XP to general. Hmm, it's quite a bit for a, for a mid-adventure thing. You spend several minutes checking over your equipment and recovering from the brutal fight. At last, having no desire to remain in the presence of the winged ghoul's festering corpse, you once, you once again set off on your way. With your every sense alert for the first sign of danger, you press deeper into the dales, hunting for any sign of the rock formation described for you by Ogro. The remainder of your trek proceeds without incident about time. Just when you're beginning to wonder if the dying goblin told you the truth regarding the location of the hidden tunnels, you arrive at the stone, towering stone formation described for you by Ogro. Profound se a sense of profound release washes over you when you suddenly realise you've made it here without having encountered the hordes of undead that thwarted your two previous attempts. After carefully surveying the surrounding forest, you cautiously approach the massive rocks. St standing at the base of the towering rock structure, you glance, gaze upwards, attempting to determine just how tall it is, how you might best attempt to reach its summit. You estimate the four massive leaning boulders that make up the formation, or at least 30 feet high. Whew. Hmm. You know what? Hmm, it's been pretty, like, I'm pretty sure those boulders were placed there. Which is, of course, something perfectly possible of being done. <laughs> you know, if you use, like, logs and a boat and a lot of men. Yeah, a lot of men, that, that really helps out. According to what Orgol told you as he lay in Black Tor, the entrance to the hidden tunnels the lair that holds the key to unlocking the lower reaches of the labyrinth is atop this stone formation. Confident that the rough, uneven surface, the widest of the boulders, will lend itself easily to climbing, you make your way over to it. Suddenly, 
as you draw up to the base of the towering rock formation. You're suddenly overcome by a profound sense of dread. With your pulse racing, you turn and find a vast horde of sinister, staggering figures moving through the forest as they rapidly close in around you. The vengeful dead of Black Tor, the deadly product of a curse that seems, seems bent on affecting your demise, have once again found you. With the massive legion of rotting ghouls and armoured skeletons closing in, their ragged attire and battered shield bearing the insignia of Black Tor, you turn and look up at the wall of rock before you, hoping you can scale it before you're overwhelmed. A clattering sound from above makes your blood run cold. Moving on all fours across the face of the boulder directly above you, its blackened claws clinging to the rock is a lone ghoul. The ghoul stretches wide, wide its fang-filled mouth, and unleashes a terrifying shriek as it leaps into the air and plummets straight down upon you. Okay, quite a few options here. I could just dodge. I could use telekinesis, fortification, elementalism, or shadow magic. Eh, shadow magic. It succeeded. 16 XP to shadow magic. You call upon your power of shadow magic. Broad bands of shadows peel away from the base of the rock formation and rapidly wheel themselves into a web of gloom that stretches over you. The leaping ghoul is promptly snared by the barrier of shadow and immediately hurled to the ground. Before the ghoul is able to return to its feet, you rush forward and dispatch the creature with a single decisive blow. Okay, now let's get hurry up and get up there. <laughs> the massive horde of undead, many of them clad in battered armour, that still bears the emblazoned signal of Black Tor, swiftly closing in around you. You realise you have no choice but to make Make a stand until you can somehow evade their one sword. A quick glance at what formation suggests behind you suggests that reaching the summit provides your best chance of escape. As, your as the first wave of undead rapidly draws within melee range, you're forced to abandon your thoughts of flight and instead prepare for what promises to be a grim fight for survival. Ugh. So many undead. As the first of the hideous undead from the pressing, pressing hall closes in, you wholly position yourself to face your fearless foes one at a time. Skeletal Avenger, one of many, just many. Yeah. All right, Chair's staff is helping out, but it's still a nine plus. The vicious armoured skeleton strikes at, you with it, strikes at you with its decayed weapon, but is slain. 24 XP. You step back from the remains of your foe and immediately return your focus to the pressing horde of undead to continue to swarm in around you. As you, as you again ready yourself for combat, you continue to search for any possible break in the enemy lines. Here's a second Skeletal Avenger. Yeah, yeah, I assume... Oh, went into battle wage. 
God, just lay off me already. I'm trying to fulfill the ultimate purpose of your forgotten faith. Skeletal Avenger, just I'm gonna quick combat these now. 24XP. Here's Skeletal Avenger number four. 25XP. Number five. 25XP. Number six. 24XP. Number seven. Hmm. Okay, now when 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 are they gonna let up? Number eight. I have no idea how long this is going to last. Number nine. 54. A sudden and unexpected law in the undead's unrelenting assault provides you with a chance to try and climb up onto the towering guac formation. You hopefully spin around and stare up at the jagged wall of stone as you hopefully, con hopefully concoct a plan of action. Alright, but first, heal. Quite a few options here. I could use all these have to be 70 plus. I could use telekinesis, elementalism, gating, or shadow magic. Hmm. I'm not quite I'm pretty sure telekinesis would just be pushing myself up. Lot like I did in the Underfoot Adventure. Or Gating would just open a gate to the top. Not sure what elementalism would do. Let's give that a go. It succeeded. 24 at speed to elementalism. You call upon your power of elementalism, promptly answering your call. A mighty elemental, a towering creature of earth and stone, tears up the ground at your feet. Tears out of the ground at your feet and lifts you to the top of the boulders. Before sinking back into the earth, the fearsome elemental squats away several of the undead attempting to climb after you. Thank you! Thank you, gigantic, uh, gigantic elemental! Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, but always thank your elementals, okay? Because, well, it's just polite, really. I mean, they, they've done you a service, you should at least thank them. Door. It's polite. Having carefully reached the summit of the what, having safely reached the summit of the what formation, and momentarily escaped the pressing tide of the undead in the forest below, you promptly turn your attention to finding the entrance to the hidden tunnels. In almost the exact centre of the what formation summit, you discover a large stone hatch, much to relief. You manage to pull open the weighty, dome-shaped portal, revealing a stone ladder that ascends into darkness. You immediately realise you are at last standing in the threshold of the hidden tunnels, the location of which was revealed to you by the dying goblin assassin. Somewhere in the darkness below, you hope to find your way to the key to unlock your passage into the lower reaches of Wachnar's labyrinth. Staring down the forest below, below your towering perch, you're horrified to witness the vast number of undead swarming through the trees and moving to encircle the rocks. You estimate there must be easily 100 or more of Black Tor's wizened dead moving through the veil. Uh, a big elemental being? Uh, a, a bit of help? 
could you just, uh, you know, you just swap them in flat with your gigantic elemental fist? Oh, no, oh, you, you've already returned, haven't you? You've already returned to wherever it is that you were. As the first of several pairs of watting hands creep up over the top edge of the watt formation, you hurriedly climb down through the opening, pulling the latch closed behind you. The weighty, the weighty lid lands you with a reverberating... Okay, wait. Alright, the first of several... That's the first of several pairs of washing hands creep up over the top edge of formation, hurriedly climb down through the opening. Pulling the latch closed behind you, the weighty lid lands with a reverberating thud, instantly cutting off all sound and light from the forest outside as it plunges into the eerily quiet darkness. You're standing just below the heavy stone latch, that leads up and out of these dark, musty tunnels. A stone ladder, permanently affixed to the southern wall, climbs up into the hatch. Climbs up to the hatch. Okay, so... This is enough for now. We've reached the hour mark just now. So next time, we're going to solve this little dungeon that we're in, because we're in a new dungeon now. And then we've got to worry about how we're going to get out of there. Because there's going to, if, I, if I climb out of there right now, there's going to be 100 undead trying to kill me. I will be completely surrounded. I just want to hope something turns up. Maybe I'll find some sort of artifact in there. Maybe they'll just get bored and wander off. Maybe I'll get some help from somewhere. I mean, I have helped a lot of people in a lot of places. About about time I got a bit of payback. <laughs> but anyway, next time, we'll figure all that out. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.